Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. G'day, it's Tim Watkin here. Before we start, I just wanted to say sorry we couldn't deliver on Thursday as usual. Politics has ground to a halt or because our caucus is now horribly divided. Uh, we just had a couple of team with other commitments and we just couldn't get things sorted for Thursday. So had to delay just a day. But here now is the final episode you've been waiting for. On with the show. All right, welcome to Caucus, the after <laughs> New Zealand has voted, we have chosen our 54th Parliament, and there have been a few changes. Now, whether that's kind of the normal change or real change that we were hearing about in the campaign, we're going to get into that during the campaign, um, during, the, during the show. Um, uh, now, I'm sure that, uh, sadly, our caucus has been slightly affected today. As it stands, we are a little bit depleted, um, so at the moment you just get... Julian Wilcox here... And Guy and Espiner. Down the line, um, Guy is joining us from uh, Nelson. Uh, Lisa's not with us today, but don't worry, she hasn't been voted out or anything. She's probably your favourite, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but she has other commitments right now. She, um, specials are being counted, though, and she may appear um, back in caucus before the end of the show. Um, it depends whether she can make it here or not. Um, but no promises. This is not a bottom line. Um, but anyway, let's get on with the show, because since we last spoke, this happened. Called Christopher Luxon to congratulate him on Nationals' results. To my family for everything that you have done for me. We did this! I just knew that we had to go for it. I really look forward to serving the local people of Tamaki. It's actually um, a huge shift. Thank you, New Zealand, because from all over your country, this great country, you have reached for hope and you have voted for change. That was election night, if you remember. It seems like a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, guys, Guy, do you want to kick in for, first? What was your big takeaway from those, when you hear those moments, what does it take your mind back to? Well, there are several real historical milestones here, aren't there? Christopher Luxon uh, setting a record for being MP to Prime Minister after just one term. And you've got to give it to him. He campaigned on the ground really strongly. They made some strategic errors, in in my view, that we've talked about with New Zealand First uh, over those weeks. But you really have to give it to him. Being Prime Minister after just one term is is an extraordinary result. Um, For Labour, I hope this caucus meeting is happier than Labour's uh, first (laughs) caucus meeting, Um, really, to have um, a majority and uh, have have your support and be the first two-term government since the the Longy Douglas years is a a real historic drubbing for Labour. So they're probably the two big standout milestones for me. Look at this. Sooner than the specials are in, (laughs) the specials are in, and we do have an extra caucus member. Oh, surprise, Lisa Rowan does. Good to see you. Good to see you, Lisa. (laughs) 
<sighs> Take a breath. We're, we're just up to Julian anyway, so you can compose yourself. Yeah, no, you don't have to listen to this. So look, I, I agree Julian, with everything go. Guy and said. Um, you know, it's interesting because I was in Christchurch at the last election and during actually the long 2020, 2021. So the impact of the Auckland vote and what happened in Auckland and that coming to pass in the election results is probably something that I underestimated because I wasn't here and didn't, didn't feel that as much. The other standout for me, obviously, is some seats that we picked, i.e. Tamaki and Wellington Central, went the way in which we actually Yes, about you got Wellington Central, I got, my friend. I got one. Don't open got, the envelope yet because then got. it's all going to go downhill. <laughs> I got one right. Um, but this, the performance of the Māori Party, um, you know, who would think that even now we're still waiting for results, Tai Tokarau, Tamaki, Makoto, they came out uh, and had such a wonderful campaign and amazing result. Well, you were result. talking them up at first and then we weren't so sure closer to the election, really. Yeah, I mean, look, the, it, it was on, yeah. um, but, you know, obviously the plan with Mika Whaitiriri in Ikaruarafiti, um, you know, we thought that some of those seats were going to go. As it turned out, that's the only one that went the other way, which shows you the decision that they made in bringing Mika across from Labour. They were punished for, and yet in every other seat they made them contestable or indeed won them. Right. Yeah, I want to come back to Auckland because that's, a, I think, a really big point of the night. But um, two rules of politics that leapt out for me. One is the, the, the cliche one, which is governments get voted out, governments don't get voted in, right? I think, you know, clearly this was a, a in, in the existing government um, more than any other kind of statement. It's interesting how the vote spread, but you're talking about a lot of voters who just wanted something that wasn't what we had now, right? Yeah. Absolute shellacking. Uh, sh- <laughs> you, you, you've, probably, you've probably said that. But no, no, you, no, no one had used the word shellacking. Okay, so I mean, you're obviously right. You're obviously covering off your kind of surprises. I'm just coming in on this, so forgive me if I've repeated anything that you've already covered. No, not but some of the some of the surprises and things that we had kind of flagged and things that came to fruition. Helen White in Mount Albert, I've got to say, um, you know, if we're talking about an example of the pulse of Auckland, that's got to be it, right? The former um, electorate of MPs and party leaders, twenty thousand plus majority. There's 105 I think votes in it when I last checked so they'll be looking out for specials there and then the the kind of the um, chutzpah of Helen White saying she'd done a good job when she was sort of asked about it by media I think is just read the room, read the room right and then obviously saw Michael Wood go down um, in a less than blaze of glory, glory and I looked at that and thought that's Phil Goff's seat. Yeah, you know yeah. that's Phil Goff's seat. These are seats that have been Labour oh, through and through. New Lynn, to use a phrase, bread and butter Labour seats. Right? Yeah, um, Tiara too. Some of these are still on the um, undecided, depending on special votes. And then you guys were obviously mentioning the Māori seats there. <coughs> to see Calvin Davis, who's obviously you know hanging on to the ledge to make sure that he's in and Tetai Tukuro um, and Tamaki Makoto. Really interesting. And then in terms of the wins for various parties, obviously Brooke Van Velden and yeah. taking um, Tamaki from Simon and Rob Muldoon's seat, if you're talking about past yep. leaders. Yep. Yeah, you know, that past was as leaders. blue as it was used to be as blue as a blue. And, and against a massive, you know, blue army, as some people are calling it, yeah, yeah. you know, for for her to swim against that tide. Yeah. I mean, he, Simon O'Connor, is the Tamati coffee of this year's election, isn't he? Very, uh, you know, um, releasable. Just (laughs) someone that people... That's a very diplomatic way of putting it, isn't it, Clyon? (laughs) 
Um, let's can we can we talk? Um, let's talk about Auckland then, because you raised those those Auckland seats. So let's just go there. Um, it's interesting that even the Labor Party, Andrew Little, spoke earlier this week, and it seemed that they kind of they kind of had a sense of what was coming. I had good friends in Auckland who were telling me that we had lost Auckland, and that was a consequence of the the COVID response and just the extraordinary level of disruption that Auckland suffered. And Auckland, you know, Auckland had it the worst. And then that was compounded, I think, you know, this year as the economic conditions got really tough for a lot of households, a lot of families. So, look, that's a reality. Yeah. It was very much reality. Can I just take you through, because it was interesting, you talked about, I I've, I've did a bit a few numbers this morning on the seats, Aunt Albert. It's interesting how much, I didn't realise how much the party votes can swing there sometimes, especially in B14, Labour and National um, votes were literally almost identical. Um, so there's certainly movement at a party vote level. Um, yeah, it had gone big, um, both seats had gone big to Labour last time, um, but it was interesting to see that, that National wasn't in the party vote uh, in both of those seats, mm. pretty much the same. But Labour was down about 12,000. So my point about voted, government's been voted outright, in both those seats you just saw, it wasn't a huge embrace of Nelia, please go away Labour, right? There was really strong swing against the incumbency there. Uh, and if you look into South Auckland, uh, boy, you know, the, the lack of turnout in South Auckland, right? I mean, I think that's crucial for us to pick up on because you saw Angari, uh, the... Um, just the voter turnout. Mungary, 2017, 28,000 people voted in Mungary. 2020, up to 32,000. This year, down to 19,000 just voting at all. Mm. Manurewa, uh, in 2017, 24,000, up to 30,000, back down to 20,000 this vote. So people just stayed home. Yeah, Guy, you want to wade in on that one? Well, I think that's the result of a middling and mud muddled campaign from Labour where they tried to hug the centre ground. They didn't have the energy and the clear vision to bring their voters out. They spent most of the year trying to hose down the previous agenda, not enough of the year trying to actually define and carve out a place on the political spectrum for the, for themselves. And so that's what you get when you don't really have much of a vision except to say, oh, we might be a sort of a bit of a version of, of, of national light. They went for the GST off food but then didn't really really prosecute it, didn't really want to talk about it. So what did they have to offer to yeah. get those people out to vote? You know, a, a dentist appointment in 2030 or whatever it was. Everything seemed to be a bit half-assed, if, if, if I could use that uh, rather impolite political um, scientist <laughs> phrase. And so they just didn't give people a reason to turn out, and they didn't. Right. It's also going to be interesting. We were speaking to David Latelli on election night yes. about some of the problems yeah. at the polling booths. Yeah. So in the wash up from the Electoral Commission, because they do a post election, you know, analysis report, it's going to be interesting to see whether that had any impact as well, which was people um, saying that they turned up and they didn't have forms to enrol them on the Māori yeah. roll and that some people were left waiting for hours. So, um, you know, gave gave up after a period of time. And it's caused so a lot of anger a, in some communities. Yeah. They didn't cover themselves in glory, the Electoral Commission, really, did they? Those early vote didn't. cards didn't no, arrive. No, early vote cards. I, I, went to, I went to vote in, in, in Mount Albert myself on the, on the morning and strolled across the road to vote at the local primary school. And the entire um, website was down. They couldn't. I had a special vote card, but people who didn't were yeah. waiting quite some time to have, their, have it manually searched. So, yeah, the you know, app was you, down. you had one job, and I don't know that you did it. 
Yeah, so the app mm-hmm. was down, and they they've admitted to, that to the be app fair, was down. That, that I've I've seen people speaking to from have been returning returning officers in the past, going look, even in the seventies we used to run out of ballots and so forth. So this isn't totally yeah. unique. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what comes out in the. In terms of what Guyon was saying, I was very interested to hear Sue Bradford, um, MP, mm. speaking this week, saying that you know combined the Māori Party Greens, well that they are potentially going to pass. Labour be the opposition was was her theory, and in saying tends to say that a little bit. Yes, and it's you know so, part so of does. what she but sees at, the world look going. At, look at the numbers. I mean, Labour hasn't covered itself in glory, and the point she makes in saying that, which yeah. I think is the most important thing, rather than that premise, is what Guyon was saying about um, Labour light. You know, it's not yeah. enough to. Uh, campaign on not offending anyone. Although I mean, I, I'm always careful. I mean, t- <laughs> to quote to quote Taylor Swift because that's what oh, we, here how we, we do in this campaign <laughs> is um, we just need to calm down a little bit. I mean. This is incumbency, right? Part of the poison for Labour time was just being the incumbent. That, you know, whether it's three years or six years or nine years, at some point, Labour and B will be the change next part time. Of. So that So the mood for change will switch to another horse, no, right? No, that's part of, Tim. Part of. So part of that is being in the incumbent change for change's sake. Yeah. Part of that is perhaps floating some of the policies that make you identifiable as Labour. Watering down you are giving the people who you are seen to be the advocate for, the working and unemployed and the grafters, watering it so far down that those people don't recognise you anymore. Having a bunch of ministers that fall off the wagon in epic style <laughs> epic in style. the lead no, look, I, to I, the you election. Cannot underestimate that. Changing leaders in an election year with a leader who nominated the election date before going high dead R and handing over the baton, which was arguably dipped in you know what, mm. to Chris Hipkins and leaving him to deal not with stardust. it. It was not dipped no, in stardust. No, not dipped in stardust. <laughs> and perhaps not reading the room partway through the pandemic, and when I say partway through, near the end of the pandemic, identifying that arguably you had done what was required, but you just got stuck in your lane there and you didn't move as the situation changed. That is what some people will argue. I know Guy must come in, but I do, Len, you haven't... I mean, I... That we didn't... It was a change election, right? Mm. And Labour, with a new new leader, had a chance to potentially push for change, but they didn't. They, They... I do wonder whether Chris Hipkins, whether history might treat him a bit more kindly, that if we are, if the economy is in bad shape, did he really, was he responsible not to go mad? Yeah, can you, know? you blame, can you blame, can it, can you blame it all on being... him? Uh, probably no, but he, how... he is the one who ignored the wealth tax. Yeah, he that's made true. the captain's call. But I, I was interested in what Guyne said earlier about the previous agenda they had to deal with. How much, and this hasn't really been talked about, how much does Jacinda Ardern get blamed for this? Yeah, course, yeah right? look, a lot, I think, as, as saying, making the call they made in February, making the call that she made, she called the election date and then she jumped off. Sure. It was pretty It set him up. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of that pass. came out in his speech on Saturday night. Yeah. He didn't really get a fair uh, suck of the salve. The other thing I think Labour has to think about very clearly now is they didn't need to have discussions with the Green Party, nor did they need to have discussions with the Māori Party. If they are to be a coalition on the left, with Labour potentially leading, or at the next election, potentially one of three, they've got to have a much more open-door policy when they talk with these parties. Mm. Um, Labour locked themselves away from them, and they got and they got stung by it, and they need to figure out what they're going to do with those other parties and if they can work in unison going forward. The problem that they'll probably think is, we lost the centre. 
So we need to figure out how we can get the centre back. Yep. Um, there'll be those on the left who will say, no, that's not what you should be doing. You should be a true Labour Party with true Labour Party policies, which, let's face it, the Greens and the Māori Party upheld in the selection campaign, not Labour. Yeah. Go on. I think that somehow, remarkably, they managed to achieve the worst of both worlds. I mean, if you were going to halve your vote, why didn't you go out in a blaze of glory and mm. do some stuff that's some Labour stuff? Why didn't you do a wealth tax or a capital gains tax? Why, at some point, didn't the the chiefs in the room and in, in the red team sit around and say, well, look, we're not going to be in power forever. Can we get some stuff on the record, on the books, that is actually going to make a difference for our people? So they did the worst of both worlds. They they tried to hug the centre line and tried not to do anything to upset their horses and still have their vote with with achieving very, very little. I mean I can't I can't remember a time that such a political opportunity was um, was squandered. Um, and if you remove the COVID response, which I know you can't, and I thought that their, their initial response was excellent, but if you look at what's on the record in terms of achievements it's very, very little. Think of what Clark and Cullen government might have done with an absolute majority. So I think that they they achieved the worst of both worlds by being too timid. So there's, there's the timidity. I go back to the the seas and there, there was crime, there was COVID, there was co-governance, and there was a cost of living. So four mm-hmm. seas in a way, really, which probably certainly in Auckland, right? That that cost. But you but you're saying that the timidity you're talking about, Guyan, goes back both terms, right? And just to bring back as well as the Hipkins era. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how long? Um, I mean, for those of us, they actually had that Michael Cullen-led tax working group, Mm. um, which which gave them a blueprint for for what they wanted to do. Now, um, and okay, then Jacinda Ardern ruled it out under her leadership, but as some of you guys were talking about before, uh, Chris Hipkins had the chance um, when the mantle, um, when the baton was passed to him to actually break out of that mould. And that's, in, in some ways, I think, history will view as the pivotal moment. David Parker and Grant Robertson lining up behind a wealth tax, in fact, doing a lot of work at Cabinet Papers are very advanced. And Chris Hipkins from abroad, I can't remember what far-flung climb he was mm. in at the time, uh, killing the thing dead and really leaving them with nothing to run on. And that makes it interesting for future leadership as well, because he said not on my watch, right? So that means if you're going to move further to the left and arguably be more late with Chris Hipkins, because he said no way, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm kicking back a little bit, you guys, and you know, it's been a long time right. since, since, since Labour was the party of, you know, Fraser and, and Walter Nash. I mean, I, I point out again that, you know, the, the Fraser saying Fraser brings to mind. For Hipkins, he was, again, pushing against the tide of history, right? right. And, you know, replacement prime ministers do not win elections. Peter Fraser is the only one to have ever done that. I had any party anywhere in New Zealand history. So almost impossible for where you start, whatever he'd done. But, um, you know, Labour and National have both, for a generation now, been hugged the centre. Isn't that what the major parties do? Are we really being? We're not really going to see from either party a big swing left or right yeah. in opposition. I think the one thing we didn't thing, see it from national. The, the one thing you're not factoring in here, which is what Guyon referenced, is the romping great majority and mandate Labour had. Yeah. So that that was the car pie from the voting public mm. to go, you know, uh, full see, speed. Or it was a thank you very much for saving our lives. 
I, I don't know if whether they. I mean, yeah. Look, you're right. The political numbers were there. They could have done. They, they could have done position. something. It doesn't they could really have matter what, how you interpret the mandate. You, you, yeah. you just had the a, an unrivaled and unprecedented ability to to make change. Yeah. And in a unicameral situation like New Zealand Parliament, where there's no upper house, you can you could have done what you like. Now, I'm not suggesting they should have gone crazy, but they must be sitting back there going wow, we really wasted and squandered a massive opportunity there. No, that's probably true. But So we're left now with um, a Labour Party that is, you know, looking at wounds and figuring out where to go next, but with still Chris Hipkins as the leader. For now. For now. The leader is the leader until they're not, um, and I'm certainly still the leader of the Labour Party, um, and indicated on Saturday I'm still absolutely committed to making sure that we uh, manage a smooth transition to a new government uh, and a smooth transition into opposition, and uh, you know, I've still got a bit of fight left in me. Do you think you'll make a good opposition leader? Uh, look, that's a, that's, uh, I'm, supported, I'm absolutely committed to supporting Labour into opposition, um, and we have a job that we will need to do in opposition. But I'm out there. Yeah, but, but I actually think he'd be a really good opposition leader. <laughs> he's got a bit of mongrel in him, and um, he's I think we'll see that. And, yeah. and but of course, they're, they're not huge on options. Is, is <laughs> no, the other problem? No, they're not. So they're going to need a bit of time. They'll want some others to come in and replace people like Andrew Little and others who, you know, after specials might not make it, or or might think actually, you know, I've got to give someone else a go. But I think he'd be a good opposition leader, and they want him to buy time, right? They want him to give him a couple of months just to take a breath and see what happens. So I think he could be effective there, and it'll give time for. Others to canvas opinion and say whether or not they should go for it um, or not, and I think that would be would be a good thing. The problem they've got, I think, is um, you know this is someone, as Lisa said, who who turned things down and said under his leadership they're not going to happen. So eventually, I don't think he's going to be there at the next election. I think the other thing Labor's got to think about seriously is is it time where they start to say actually let's work closer with parties like the Māori Party and give away the Māori electorates. Now that's a big call, and they might not yeah, do yeah. it. But if they want to get back in, checks into that. No, no, that, that's true. But I mean, they only got they only got one of them back. But the the generational change that we've seen in those Maori seats. I mean, look at Hana Rafati, Mai Clark, Kusha is young as well. You know, um, um, people have said we want young aspirational leaders in those seats. And 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 let's let's face it, that's not Labour. Yeah. They um, need to find some young aspirational leaders. He's got point. he's got three months, right? He's got three months yeah. before um, there is a vote on this if it goes the full distance. Constitution kicks in. Yep. yep. So that takes him through. Just doing some quick finger numbers thingies. Um, that takes him through the summer break, right? Just. Yep. Just okay. And so the other thing you've got to remember: others that who have fallen on their swords in terms of leaders, Helen Clark being the exception. Obviously, you know, didn't resign, carried on, went and became prime minister. But if you look at Bill English. Phil Goff, even though they may have waited a little while, Bill English several months, they still went. There's this issue of stability, right? Yep. You you don't sort of blow everything up because you've been decimated at the election. You need a bit of a rebuild. And in terms of their lineup, I mean, I'd say Andrew Little is the first domino to fall. Yeah. And that there will be others not, not others the on the list that will um bog off uh once there is more sort of surety over who's leading into the future and people are bedded in and they won't want to leave it too late to get their new young bloods in on the list if they're going. And I think I mean, for some, can you see Grant Robertson say staying? Mm. I mean academia's gotta be calling Hard for him, see. doesn't mm. it? <laughs> Um, go on. 
Oh, I'd agree with that. Grant Robertson um, looked like he'd actually checked out uh, many months ago in my eyes. And we are a lot less patient now. I mean, rolling lost in 75, 78 and 81. Um, and they kept him on as leader. Nowadays, we just don't have the patience for leaders who lose. And if, if you fast forward to 26, um, the idea that Hipkins would be leading Labour into that election seems very, very unlikely to me. So it really is a matter of of when rather than if. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The the Labour, right, for, for a lot of Labour people, they have been thinking about the impact on their future, um, including um, one Labour MP that um, <laughs> not many people had heard of before this week called Dan Rosewarne. Mm. The biggest thing for me was, you know, going to the Koro Club um, and then the, the red lights of doom go off because your Koro Club's been cancelled. And to me, it's, going, it's, it's all about kind of, you know, moving from champagne to lemonade. That's what Oops. it's all about. What Oops. an extraordinary Oops. case of entitleitis yeah. that is. I think it was hugely damaging, actually. Um, <sighs> after I thought it was quite amusing, um, after I worked out who he was, um, I, I thought that was... A, a hugely arrogant um, L- list, list MP, right, down from Waimakariri Way. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So, former army. Yeah, so here's the thing, folks, after saying that... But outgoing is the point, I think, for the yeah, Labour Party. He's, yeah, he's gone yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now. But if, as discussed in the previous few seconds, more people bog off and retire... Da doing. I'm he not is, sure he could be bad. He's, 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 he's still, no, no, still he's, queuing at the Koru Lounge. He's, 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 he's on the cusp for getting back into the Koru Lounge. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to some other parties because I think, look, it, as, as we said, it's it's governments that lose these kind of elections. Um, so I think Labour was worth that good discussion. But let's let's look at, at others. Um, National obviously rode a wave of, wave of change. Um, they made a good case for what the kind of change they wanted to see, and obviously connected with people. What are you? Uh... When the first results came in, I think at about seven thirty-ish or just after something like that, and you saw national at forty-one percent. It was interesting because after our last uh, caucus, uh, you know, and I had Stuart Nash and Paula Bennett um, on. T- we were at TV Three, and I said, "Man, if it goes big, it could really go big. You could be losing seats like you know uh, uh, Banks Peninsula, and you know Wigram could be in as play." As we had and, talked about, as you had talked about, and they all laughed me out of the room. They said, that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. You know, and Stuart had his calculations and all of a sudden at 7.30, it might have been 7.40. Nationals at 41 and you knew it was on. Mm. And then everything just went just went blue and I, I don't like the blue, blue and army phrase. But anyway, I've, I've just used it so there you go. Uh, um, Stop it. But, but, Stop but, it. As, but as, as those results come in, and yeah, it came down a little bit, but as that came in everything just started getting thrown up with, with blue, with the colour blue. Um, and, and you're right, they, look, I don't think National, at the end of it, had a good campaign. That last two weeks, I thought was messy, the holes came out and everything else but we talked about that, the, results, that it had been so, baked in yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and it well and truly baked in and the other thing I noticed, I mean I, I voted in, in Mount Albert as well and it was huge, like it was it was a big turnout in, in the booth that I was in and I wonder then, I wonder I wonder if this is people getting out and wanting that change because they'd be motivated by wanting that change of government uh, and, and it turned out that way in, in Mount Albert um, Although Mount Albert, just, just Mount Albert voted um, 7,000 700 votes for national last election, 9,300 this election. Hardly General? a huge... Yeah. General General. Right. So hardly huge. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I find really interesting is obviously they won a tonne of electorates, mm. right? And we expect the two main parties to have a greater share of the vote. Don't know if you've talked about that. Not but yet. But um, so, you know, even...
even though the National Party scooped a bunch of electorates back, ones that had been one off them previously and had arguably been traditionally blue electorates, they also won these um, Labour, mm, so-called Labour, yeah, bastions and electorates. But, you know, we've all talked about the fact that the party vote is key and neither party were really in the zone that you might have expected. Um, so no, the the two no. the two major party vote was this just um, I'll throw to you going, but the two major party vote was the third lowest out of the ten MMP elections we've had. Mm. So not the worst. There's two that's been that's been had a smaller well, share that's for the a big major prize. Not the worst, <laughs> but, but the two the two major parties did third lowest out of the ten we've had. Yeah, that's interesting. And national at what. Just under 39 uh, is where they sit now, isn't it, percentage-wise. Yeah. That's about really as, as low as you can go and still lead the government. To be fair, Labor got 37 in 2017. Mm. So, you know, um, to, to Nationals, 44. So, um, and, and obviously really did rely on Winston Peters. So they... Look, it, it is a win, for, um, obviously, for, for National and Christopher Luxon is the incoming Prime Minister, but it isn't it isn't a real resounding win, is it? I mean, at 30, 38%, um, you know, that's about as low as you can go and still, still lead the government. So they would have been um, far happier in those early uh, hours of the count when they were up to 42, weren't they? You know, yep. they were mm. sitting around 41, 42, and then you watched it drop away. And, and they may well lose a seat or two. They lost two seats on the specials in yeah. 2017. Yep. Look, who knows with the MIQ um, veterans how, how, how they'll react. And so we yeah. don't know about whether the specials will go the way they normally do. But, but they're yeah. a small percentage, aren't they, Guy? Yes. The, the overseas vote is yes, only 15%, about 80,000 yes. of the 500 and yes. something yeah. thousand. Good so that, that's going to be, I agree with you, it's going to be super interesting. And they will be on a relative knife edge, National, because it obviously opens the door to one Winston Peters. Mm. Yes. I think the door's wide open to that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I, I think that they, and they know that, because mm. as we've talked about before, a one-seat majority, they've got 61 out of one two, one parliament at the moment. Technically, you could go to the Governor-General and say, here's my government. But we know that MPs, some MPs are stupid, and some MPs do. <laughs> stupid things no. and so you get people who who drive cars drunk who forget to sell shares or whatever it is and they get sacked and you have to have a by-election and if you lose that then there's a humiliation um, of having to go to the governor general or worse at that point having to go to winston peters and seeing the political inflation of your deal go up fourfold mm. because he could ask for anything he likes so yeah. if they're being yeah. sensible which i think they are they have to Except as you know, except now that we yeah. need Winston, and they is. have to deal so, with him as such. So, what will the nature of those negotiations be now? Because if you're Winston, you just sit there and go, well, "What's the point in us talking? We're going to wait for special votes and see how much you need us by, and then my leverage goes up." He always yep. talks about waiting yep. for the special votes, does Winston, yeah. and for that exact reason, your value and the yeah. special votes tell you your value, don't they, in various terms. You don't want to go too early and undersell yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose in terms of that, how do the talks go? Well, apparently they go like mergers and acquisitions. Yes, well, yes that was very interesting, wasn't it? It was. Let's have a listen to what Christopher Luxon said the day after the election. What we've made sure is that we have good alignment and I think and good chemistry. And I think, you know, and I've done a lot of mergers and acquisitions and I've done a lot of negotiations, you know, getting the chemistry and getting the relationship right is the platform and the foundation for actually then being able to work your way through the transactional issues. And so, you know, that's what uh, our conversations have been about. And he also just threw a little bit of shade on past governments at the same time. I've watched New Zealand elections play out over many years. I've been pretty unimpressed in terms of how that gets done. So, um, yeah, go on. 
Ah, oh, yeah, very interesting. Um, some interesting words. He used the word chemistry, which mm-hmm. repulsed me a little bit, um, thinking about what sort of chemistry experiment it might be with uh, Seymour's, Sir Peters and Luxon. But anyway, and he used the word transactional, um, which I found interesting too. And there was the M&A sort of merger and acquisition um, analogy. So very, very much on, on board with his um, business speak there. But I don't think that Peters would have been terribly impressed by him being, um, you know, pejorative about previous negotiations because most of those have involved Winston <laughs> Peters. So that may have not, not not have been a terribly good start. And I still remember when Bill English was negotiating with, with Peters in 2017 and he, he, he came on Morning Report because I was interviewing him and he said, oh, that Peter, he described him as a maverick. And, you know, Peters, um, Peters for Peters, words matter. And getting off, off on, on that kind of foot, I don't know whether that was uh, ter- terribly smart. Smart. But it's a frustrating time for Luxon, isn't it? Because he's the incoming prime minister. He wants to get moving. You can see all that Energizer Bunny um, vibe coming off him. <laughs> but he has to wait for the old fox and the specials to come in. And he still wants to. He clearly, you know, he, he's talking about um, uh, still saying that the preference for him is National Act, National Act. He's still very much treating New Zealand First as um, the possibility that might have to come later. Presumably that's a leverage um, angle, right? Because he must know certainly going to be part of his government. Yep, no, absolutely, which is probably why he um, got out of the negotiations on Thursday and went back to his roots and went back to his school and went back to the electorate and got out of Wellington and said, oh, negotiations are going, I'm going back home yeah. and talking to the electorate, right? So that was an interesting kind of thing. The CEO approach of Luxon is really interesting. It yeah. reminds me a lot of Scott Morris, uh, the way that, you know, Scotty for marketing, the way in which he would, he would kind of <laughs> run a government, which is interesting because this is going to be a different style of prime ministership. You know, he's not giving himself a portfolio. He's saying, I'm going to be over all the detail. I'm going to look at this. And he's very CEO in his approach, uh, which is interesting given the last year and the financial performance of Air New Zealand and some decisions that he made in his last year as CEO in in Air New Zealand. I think that's going to be different for a lot of people to get used to. Look, I do. I I think, and we've discussed about this between us um, off air at various times, but I don't think the business world and the political world are as similar as people make it out, right? That you don't have the kind of... A a chief executive has real power Mm. um, and quite who they often pick themselves um, and you know is very well briefed and very focused on what they want to be focused on back to events dear boy events you've got a mishmash of cabinet ministers with all kinds of different ambitions let alone other parties who are there to actually break you down it's just such a different environment isn't it Lisa? Uh, I think it is and also you wonder how often do prime ministers calls we've seen a few of them Chris Hipkins made one and others have two but politics is supposed to be a democracy so including the people around you whereas I see a CEO position as more of the cabinet and in New Zealand we do not elect prime ministers no. we don't mm. we elect parties and then they choose this so I think it's going to be interesting. So does that make him the chief people's officer? Of the- <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. But in, in every part of his language. From HR is here to see you. Yeah. It's, it's really corporate. It's, well, really, it's corporate. really corporate. And, yeah. it, and it's pervasive in his language. And it'll be interesting to see if that changes. I mean, everyone, hey team, everybody's on the team, whether it's his family team, his parliamentary team, or just a team. So, you know, there, there is a lot of that kind of language, and it's going to be interesting to see how it translates into his style. On what Guyan was talking about, you don't want to offend anyone that you're wanting to do a deal with at the moment, so it makes sense to stay stum yeah. um, for a bit until you, you know, see mm. how the deck is stacked. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I, I, 
I'm a little bit more open to the idea that there are a lot of transferable skills from from business and into politics. Not not totally, and I, I hear what you guys are saying, um, but. You know, there are quite a few skills in leadership which would be transferable, and I think you saw that to a degree with John Key, who, no matter what you think of him, was a pretty successful Prime Minister. Also, on the corporate speak, it rubs me up the wrong way because I live my life in words, and I that <laughs> it jars with me to some degree. But I think it could well work for him if that's combined with getting results. Yeah. If New Zealand Can't be one or the other, though. Yes, that's right. It's going to really great if it if, if the corporate speak is uh, um, c- combined with a failing result. Okay. But if he get if he gets results and he sets targets and he moves quickly, people might snigger a little bit at the jargon and the business stuff. But if they see this guy who's coming in and and getting things done, as he as he likes to say, if they see those results, then I think it could work. Look, for I, agree, I agree with that because you know the, the 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 perception that they did really well in opposition national was to paint Labour as in government as a party of failing to deliver which is not an unreasonable uh, picture that they painted. And so if they, he can turn that around. Can we just play the clip? Because this is um, we're going to open the envelopes in just a second because we're going to have to go any moment. But um, uh, can we just play this, this really laid out where I thought Luxon is taking us in this next term when he was talking on ZB this week? Yeah, the way I'm doing it is I'm going to be very clear on those better publics and ministers and those agencies accountable for delivering for them. Um, and you know, there'll be ministers that will certainly need support. Um, already in the last two or three months, I've brought in Bill English, Stephen Joyce, Wayne Eagleson to have sessions with our caucus about what the reality of going to government looks like, uh, what what the how, how you actually work with the public service to get a result. It's about securing quick and early wins in that first six months um, in each of the portfolios. I think realistically you get to go with the two or three big structural strategic things um, for the rest of the term and get those away and implemented well, uh, and then you set up again. Those are KPIs. Public service targets are KPIs. But I think that may be some of the most most transparent stuff he's ever said in terms of you get a few runs now, you train them up, you train them up really big now, you get the experts in, you get them to get a few six months, and then it's about setting up for the next election. It's quite a clear agenda, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, until you you add Seymour and Peter's to it. Exactly. (laughs) That's my point. And events. I was talking to the CEO, public service CEOs yesterday very quickly. They were given initially targets of 2, 4, 6, and 10%. It's now been crunched down to 4, 6 and 8, probably 8% is going to be the target. For some of those smaller smaller government departments, that's going to really hammer them at that, 8%. That's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. There are, there are plenty of policy issues to come, and we haven't talked about policies, but boy, you know, um, certainly the public sector staff, climate resp- emergency response funds, you know, the housing tax deductibility bright line test, three waters gone, um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen, whoever's in that coalition. But anyway, the Oscars envelope. It is. <laughs> I've got guy-ons here. <laughs> I Mine's suspect, a special vote. You, you, I suspect, see, the signature unbroken on the it seal. Is. The seal, we can all confirm the, seal. the seals yep. are unbroken. Yep. The yep. seals are unbroken. I right. suspect, got the line, not here to soak up all the glory. To be, <laughs> I have this, I know. Is that annoying? Be, Mine was right, rubbish. So He's going to be right. Come on, give us yours, no. Julian. I think we know how wrong no, the rest no, of us are. I'd rather not because I overcooked the greens and I was told not to by the same thing, apparently. <laughs> Just, just to confirm, yours, did, are, yours are percentages, aren't they? You're, yes, you're, they you're are, going yeah. with percentages. Okay, yeah. so bom, 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 okay. Bom. All right, Julian, you go first. Uh, look, my, mine was percentages. I went national. Yeah, girl, this is atrocious. National 35, Labour 29, Greens 14, Act 9, New Zealand First 7, Māori Party 3.5. Not too bad. Rubbish. Okay. <laughs> not too bad well, it's not too far away from me. So, so I'm, 
Lisa, do you want to? Okay, miners, National 34%, Labor 27, Greens 12, New Zealand First 9.6, at 6, and Te Māori 2%. So you were expecting a swing to, to New Zealand first that Correct. we didn't see. And a game's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right. Well, I, my, my, I was out with the, with the, with the miners. Nash, I had National on 34.9 and Labour on 29.1. I thought that swing back to Labour would be a little bit more real than it, it was. Um, Greens, 12.5. Mm-hmm. A little bit off, but not quite as bad as you. <laughs> at 9.5. Um, and New Zealand first, 6. And Te Māori, 2.7. Guy on ever the efficient. So I was almost bang on with Te Māori, just you like were, to say. You okay. were, you oh, were. Well, well, all of us were bang on with one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the totality. Plenty um, what I've got, man. Guy on, I know you've got this on your phone, so do you want to read your results and oh, I can confirm no, I, I that you... Oh, yeah, you haven't got it? What you, oh, yeah, you, okay. No, you, you tell me. I can't All right. remember. You, you can't remember? Okay. National 37%. This is Guy uh, on. Oh, okay. National 37%. Labour, 26 uh. Ooh. He was in the nosebleed section with yep. the Greens on 14%. Oh, yeah, that was too high. Act mm. 9. Yeah. And he Bang said Māori Party 3%. Oh, New Zealand first 6, I think I had, didn't I? No, you didn't include them, so you oh, got oh, You didn't know. DQ. You that didn't know. Uh, that surely. Oh, my. You did not write oh. them down, bud. Okay, wow. I'm going to pull out my phone and my photo here. No, no. <laughs> no, no, this I'm is like... This is it's like, automatic disqualification. I feel much better now. This oh, is no, like, it's true. I no, had them on seven. I no, had them on seven. seven. This is yeah. like NCA dude, unless you write it down, it didn't happen. So you've missed, he's missed an entire party. Right, that's, that's yeah, just, no, that's I, just I embarrassing. I automatically feel better about myself. <laughs> I remember a guy who couldn't fill his superannuation form out properly. Um, and I feel a little bit like that. <laughs> and oh, I love dear. the fact that you even signed it at the bottom to show that it was legitimately yours and completed. Well, you actually, right. I'll go and get I'll go and get a document from the boot of my car <laughs> to prove otherwise. You just hang with me. Look, at you you got the you got you the majors just pretty pretty close. Yeah. And I do think probably what's national now on thirty eight point nine. I suspect they might come down towards thirty eight or even towards your thirty seven by the end of the special. So you might even be closer. Um, by the time the specials are counted, um, so we'll, that we'll have to wait and see, though. Um, so who? So yeah. Do we? Do we? Who? Who wins then? Not Nobody. me. But it's <laughs> not. Nobody. percent <laughs> for the Greens. Nobody wins. <laughs> All on right. That, which just shows you polling um, and guesstimates. But you know, we may come closer after the specials. I, I who think, knows? I think after the specials, it'll be we will look slightly better than we did right now. Liz Gunn's waiting for the specials. She's waiting. <laughs> Let, let's go for a recount. I'm going to leave. Right. You carry on. Right. We will. We'll, 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 um, we can probably just about wrap it up now. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Auckland was um, I'll be really interested to see. We talked about Simon O'Connor going um, from Tamaki and the religious vote around that. The religious vote is still quite strong in Auckland, I mm. thought, especially with the immigrant populations. You saw, um, you know, the the in National, they have a really strong um, Auckland caucus of quite conservative Christian people. Um, that was added to in Mount Albert this year. Yeah. Um, so that, I don't, I'm not casting any shade on that at all. I'm just saying it's interesting to observe what that means for 
for, for some of that vote in Auckland because I thought that didn't happen. Was, um, it was interesting on News Hub's uh, Red Research poll they released recently, which had um, it was a poll on a treaty referendum. Uh, and whether or not uh, people would support mm. that or not, 56%-ish um, said that they wouldn't support it, which was which was really interesting. Um, Act still wants to get this thing going, yeah, and, really. and it sounds like that um, the Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister, is is trying to keep it, you know, not necessarily take it off the table anymore, which is interesting, because that's not what he was saying during the campaign. Um, but the fact that that poll's come out might actually pour cold water on this thing, because if it does happen, boy, oh boy, that's going to be an interesting three years. Yeah. I think that's going to be a particularly firebrand kind of issue. And I, yeah, when you put it into a, a, a referendum and people have to vote yes and no, you're asking for trouble. I agree. Particularly what happened in um, Australia that night. I, yes. I hope that we have a more nuanced debate yeah. and discussion than that. Um, Guy, like do you want to have, have a here. final thought? Like we have here. No, I would agree with um, Julian and yourself on that. I think it could be very destructive for for New Zealand and 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 very destructive for Chris. For, Chris Luxon. I mean, I, it could it could derail a whole bunch of other stuff and yeah. really take over if if they allow Act to push ahead with this. And then you'd have Peters trying to outmuscle Act on it as well. And I, I think you know Kiwi who 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 responded to that poll is just saying, well, look, you know that this isn't an issue that we want to die on a hill yeah. for, we, that we don't want to tear ourselves apart. Um, for for what? What's the best case scenario? Like, what's mm. what, what's the win here? I mean, what's the win that Act sees? Are we going Act sees protection of democracy, what, right? What, they they say it as a as an existential well, how democratic. Would you, how would you frame How would you frame the question? Exactly. God <laughs> help us. Exactly. What, what, so, so what? So what are we going to say? Are we we couldn't say, even get a good question over a flag, right? How, how, get, how would you actually make a question? Like, should Should we? I don't know, what's the yes or no question? This is a massive, nuanced, complex discussion that is always um, evolving. How can you boil it down to a yes/no question? Um, and so, what, I don't know what a win looks like. Um, and and so, hopefully, it was a campaign tactic yeah. and will be relinquished. And Look, Act I, can say, "Oh, sounds well, like he's not giving." No, up. every interview I've seen with David Seymour in the yeah, in this past week, on. he keeps mentioning yeah. it. So you know, yeah. he's he. I, I, like, look to him. I think, in all sincerity, he believes that. As a, sure. as a we must save democracy that's thing. A, that's, that's a position that he can take. That's a, but um, yeah. I can't see it being constructive for 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 the national led government. No, be careful what you wish for, eh? Um, the other thing that I'm interested in is going to be a superannuation debate because someone has to lose. Yep. Someone has to lose there within the government and even within opposition um, because you've got every party just about has a different position. So um, who actually has the power to say this is where we're going with super is going to be really interesting. Um, and look, my final my final word of the day is just to say. Um, I wanted to pick up because, Guy, and you said about, you know, the nature of bringing New Zealand first into the fold now because of, you know, politicians are stupid. 13 by-elections this century in New Zealand. I did a count back. That's an average of about one and a half. Um, and if anything, they're speeding up. It's been an average of two per term in the past three terms. Yeah. So if you go by normal, if you can have two by-elections in the next three years, um, count and, and, Kitty Allen's and, and, and so forth. And I don't know how you've got on there, but the governments usually lose them, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so you don't want to be in that position. So, so hello. So, is that the phone calling? Phone, phone. I think it's Winston on the phone. Um, all right, guys, let's let's wrap it up. Um, thank you very much for your expertise. It's been a heck of a lot of fun to talk to you guys about this for the last uh, three months um, and to to pick it all apart. It's been looks probably not been the most inspiring campaign we've ever had, but it's yeah. been fascinating and there's been lots of history that's come out of it, as you pointed out, Guy. 
Yeah, indeed. And, um, you know, it's been great fun to, to unpack it with, with, with you all. Um, and it's, uh, it was actually really, really great to have, have Julian on board this time. So hopefully uh, he can join us again because it's been, been, been really good. And, and thanks to everyone who, who listens because I, I get a lot of feedback off it. So it's, it's really cool that uh, people are engaging with politics, which is, which is the idea. Because we see we're not, we're not professional forecasters, are we? I think we've <laughs> no. That. no. Our idea is Certainly to try not. and spark and, and try and give and try to, um, you know, engage in some, in, in some a debate that, that inspires people to get involved in politics. And that's why we're there. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's been awesome to be a part of it. So thank you for having me. And I, look, I just have to say that Paddy Gower always comes up to me after every caucus episode that he listens to and <laughs> provides his own commentary and feedback. So I'm not sure we've done a good job. Gower's <laughs> 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 trying to be a part of the conversation, but we contribu- contributed nonetheless, I think. It's <laughs> excellent. All right. Well, look, thank you. As Guy said, thank you to all of you for listening or watching on YouTube. Um, it's been great to have your company these months. And um, yeah, let's see what the next three holds. God defend New Zealand. Thanks very much, everybody. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.